0: Hello everybody and welcome to the second ever Beyond 59 Seconds with your fantastic and handsome and definitely modest host, the notorious PNB. That's right, it's me, Professor Nipplebottom. Hello! <laughs> All right, so today's episode, we're going to do a little deep dive into some origins of nursery rhymes. Yep. You may have uh, followed me here from uh, seeing uh, the little bit I posted on TikTok uh, about uh, Three Blind Mice and Mary Mary Quite Contrary actually being about Bloody Mary, Queen Mary the I of England. Uh, they were all to do with her basically murdering Protestants. Yep, that's pretty, uh, pretty brutal. But there are other nursery rhymes with uh, just as uh, crazy uh, origin stories. So shall we start off with a Mr. Humpty... Dumpty. Now I use Mr. Lightly because, well, he wasn't a person. But let's crack on. Let's, uh, let's actually read Humpty Dumpty, shall I probably you've sort all of heard it before. But it goes. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty, had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. So, yeah, he's often depicted as an egg, which makes sense, seen as he fell off a wall and couldn't be put back together again. Um, Why you'd be asking a horse to put anything together, I don't know, because surely they would just crush it more with their hooves, especially if it's an egg. I mean, Jesus. But anyway, Humpty was not a person at all, but actually a massive siege cannon that was used by the Royalist forces, also known as the King's Men, during the English Civil War that raged between 1642 and 1651. It was actually during the Siege of Colchester in 1648 that the Royalists hauled Humpty Dumpty to the top of the Church Tower. Now, it was actually St. Mary's at the Wars, it was called. Now, it was for 11 weeks, Humpty sat upon the top of a wall and blasted away the attacking parliamentarian roundhead troops and defending the town. Now, the great fall that is mentioned that Humpty had, it actually came when the church tower was eventually blown up by the roundheads. Yep, and he couldn't be put back together again as he'd fallen into a subsequent... and had subsequently become buried deep in a surrounding marshland. Oh, poor Humpty. <laughs> So uh, without uh, the mighty Humpty Dumpty to defend them, unfortunately, the king's men, led by Sir Charles Lucas and Sir George Listle, Listle, were soon overrun by the Parliamentarian soldiers of Thomas Fairfax. Jesus Christ. So there you go, you were thinking about an egg sat on a wall, but actually, it was a gigantic siege cannon that weighed probably several tons that they dragged up the top of a hill, sat on a wall, that probably killed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Parliamentarian troops. And then one day it probably reverberated back so far that it fell off and become stuck in mud. Poor little Humpty. Well, he didn't break, so there was nothing to actually put together. It was more just pulling him out of the mud. But I- I'm getting bogged down in semantics here. Let's-, let's move on to the next one. So the next one we're going to do, I'll just... Not sing it, I'll say it in my silly voice. Ba ba, black sheep! Have you any wool? Yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full. One for the master, one for the dame, and one for the little boy who lives down the lane. Now, surprisingly enough, this one's actually about sheep. It wasn't that, uh, wrapped in mystery uh, but it was actually about the importance of sheep to the British well, English economy uh, in in the time it was written and until the late 16th century the final lines of the rhyme actually read a nun for the little boy who cries down the lane but they changed it to the current version in order to cheer it up and make it a little more suitable for children <coughs> well, <laughs> in fairness they've actually changed it from black sheep because a lot of people thought that it was it was racist it's actually not. Uh, if you listen to this, it's not racist, it's just unfortunate that it says black sheep. Uh, what, can you, what can you do? But in medieval England, the wool trade was a big business. It was enormous demand for it, mainly to produce cloth, and everyone who had land from peasants to major landowners raised sheep. The great English landowners, including lords, abbots and bishops, began to court their wealth in terms of sheep, some with flocks totalling over 8,000 animals, and they were all tendered by dozens of full-time shepherds. Now, after returning from the Crusades in 1272, Edward Edward I imposed new taxes on the wool trade in order to pay for his military ventures. If only that was the first time in history that had ever happened, that the the poor working class man had to pay for uh, someone else to go to war. Uh, I suppose some things never change. It is believed that the wool tax forms the background of the rhyme one-third of the price of each bag or sack sold was for the king, i.e. the master, one-third for the monasteries or church, i.e. the dame, and none for the poor little shepherd, i.e. the little boy who cries down the lane, who had actually tirelessly tended and pretended and protected the flock. So, unfortunately, the little man got screwed over, so we could go and attempt to win back the, and I'm doing parentheses here, the Holy Land, which the first one went okay, but the other nine... Not so much. <laughs> Talking about the Crusades, that is 100% one I'm going to do a little podcast on at one point, because they are absolutely fascinating. Uh, they should do a better film or a better TV series about that. <clears throat> I know there is one on Netflix, but yeah. So we're going to move on to Georgie Porgie, puttin' in pie, kissed the girls and made them cry. When the boys came out to play, Georgie Porgie ran away. I actually originally thought that the lines were, when the boys came out to play, kiss them too because George was gay, but... Apparently that's actually not what it was, Georgie ran away from the boys, so he's not gay. I think mean, a little bit. But apparently this was actually that Georgie Porgy was actually rather Prince Regent that would later become George IV. He was a tad on the fat side and he actually weighed in at 17 and a half stone, which is 245 pounds, with a waist of 50 inches. So that would stand for the Georgie Porgie pudding and Pie, just out of interest I used to weigh just over. uh, 17 and a half stone. Just over the 245. I was about 250. So this could be about me. (laughs) And as such, he became a constant source of ridicule in the popular press of the time. Hmm. Now, I was also ridiculed for being fat. This is like looking in a mirror. Despite its larger size, George also had established for himself a rather poor reputation for his lusty romps with the fairest sex that involved several mistresses leaving a string of illegitimate children. Okay, that's where the, uh, the likeness goes. I don't have... Well, that I know of, I suppose I could do. Who knows? (laughs) I hope not. Oh, God. (laughs) When he was 23, he fell in love with the beautiful Mary Ann Fitzherbert. He was so besotted with her, he actually persuaded her to go through with a secret marriage. Unfortunately, the marriage would have never been allowed because she was both a commoner. But even worse than that, she was a Roman Catholic. (gasps) I know, that was not allowed at the time. uh, But in fact, George would actually later go on to marry Catherine of Brunswick, who he actually... Hated. He did not like her. He even hated her so much that he banned her from his coronation, which is its crazy. So I think this is... Uh, well, I don't. But historians believe that that is why they say kissed the girls and made them cry. Because George had made both the women in his life rather unhappy. Now, George was well known for his foppish behaviour. He had apparently been at the rear of the class when badges for courage and bravery were handed out. That said, he did enjoy watching over people display these attributes. George was a great fan of bare-knuckle boxing. Amazing! During one of the illegal prize fights that George attended, a boxer was knocked on the floor and subsequently died of his injuries. Frightened of being implicated, the prince made a very quick exit from the scene. Yeah? You getting that? For the end of it, when the boys came to play, Georgie Porgy ran away? It's because he was a giant. Uh, wuss pants. Yep. Wasn't going to say something rude in a podcast I I wouldn't swear on. I've only ever. I'm a second episode I've only had to edit out two swears. Hopefully, you won't notice the little jumps when I realise I've accidentally said. So the next one we're going to do is Dr. Foster went to Gloucester in a shower of rain. He stepped in a puddle right up to his middle and never went there again. Now, this was actually first published in 1844, but the origins are said to go all the way back 700 years before that to the time of King Edward I. Now, Edward was known by several nicknames. He was a powerful man that stood over six feet tall. Now, he was often referred to as Longshanks, which I think we can all agree is one hell of a nickname. Now, he was also recognised as clever and a learned man and hence earned the title Dr Foster. The origins of the Foster, unfortunately, have been lost over time. Maybe he fostered children. There you go, I figured it out for you. Or he liked Fosters. I do know. Was Fosters about then? I'm going to say no, but uh, let's say he fostered kids and also drank Australian beer. I don't think Australia was a thing that, then. Never mind. So, uh, he wasn't a great fan of the Welsh. Now, he actually visited Gloucester down to the town's strategic position and uh, the major crossing of the River Severn, which leads to Wales. Now, the story goes that the king arrived during a storm and mistaked a shallow puddle for a deep ditch, steered his horse right into the middle of it, and both horse and rider became trapped in the mire and had to be hauled out. Infuriated and no doubt a little embarrassed by the humiliation, he vowed never to return again. So a bit of advice for anyone, if a situation like that occurs, learn to laugh at yourself. Don't take it out on Gloucester. What's Gloucester ever done? It's not very their fault they had a big puddle. Or there was actually a ditch that you thought was a puddle. Oh dear, I've been left on my own and now I'm waffling again. But don't worry, we're about to go on to the next one. Which is Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his gown of trouble. Jack went down. <laughs> oh no. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. There we go, I got it. Now the small village of in North Somerset, claims to be the home of the Jack and Jill rhyme. Local legend recalls how in the 15th century a young unmarried couple regularly climbed a nearby hill in order to conduct their liaison in private, away from the prying eyes of the village. Obviously a very close liaison, Jill fell pregnant, but just before the baby was born, Jack was killed by a rock that fell from the uh, special hill. A few days later, Jill died whilst giving birth to the love of the child. Their tragic tale unfolds today on a series of inscribed stones that lead along the path to that special hill now there are a lot of origin stories for jack and jill a lot of them like previous ones are to do with uh, british royalty and so on but this one i've read the others but this one by far seems the best and the most viable and the fact that there's stones and such uh, well, i suppose actually that's probably just their way of being tourists in because i would do the same thing well, i myth-busting here as well. well. I'm not myth-busting, but uh, that's plenty what that town's done. They're trying to bring tourism in, so they've said Jack and Jill is from there when it may have just been a rumour. But I love the story, uh, so that was the one I told. Uh, if you want to know the others, bloody Google it, not doing everything for you. So the next one is half a pound of tuppney rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money... Moomeep. I've forgotten how to speak. I'm going to start that again. Sorry, it's the second time I'm going to start again. I could edit better, but it'll happen occasionally, I suppose. Half a pound of tuppney rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Now, this, uh, this very popular music, song could be heard being performed throughout Victorian Londoners' many, many theatres. The orange of the the lyrics, however, appear to stem from two possible sources. One theory, which is my favourite theory, that it's origins in the same grimy streets of those Victorian music halls from the packed sweatshops of Storchich and Spitalfields that provided Londoners with their clothing. In the textile industry, a spinner's wheel is a device used for measuring out a length of yarn. The mechanism makes a popping sound when the correct length has been reached. No doubt, during the highly repetitive and boring work, the spinner's mind would wander. And to more mundane tasks and obviously things to do with life, as I'm sure we've all done. Only to be slammed back to the harsh reality of life when the weasel went pop. There you go, could be that one. Or, as the third verse of the rhyme perhaps suggests, an alternative origin. It says, up and down the city road, in and out of the eagle. That's the way the money goes, pop goes the weasel. Now, pop in London slang is a word for porn. That's P-A-W-N for anyone wondering why I've started talking about pornography. I mean, as in a pawn shop. Now, weasel can actually be traced back to Cockney rhyming slang for weasel and stoat, which means coat. Now, even the poorest of Victorian Londoners would have a Sunday best coat or suit that sometimes would be pawned when times got hard. So, pop goes the weasel. Perhaps on a cold damp Monday morning, only to be retrieved on payday. The eagle above that was mentioned there pop go, uh, down the city road in and out of the Eagle. The eagle actually refers to a tavern, a pub located on the corner of City Road and Shepherdness Walk in North London district of Hackney. Although the usage of the building has changed over the years, it is now a pub and it has been since the early 1900s, but they proudly display a plaque. That says its association with the nursery rhyme, because obviously then it was probably a pawn shop. Oh, really? You can make your own decisions. Though. But like with a lot of these, um, there is arguments to the origin story because if one has an origin story and the other one, another one has another, they're never going to admit that the one they've heard off the other guy is the one that probably sounds more viable because they don't want to admit that they're uh, they're wrong. But, uh, yeah, for me, the ones I've told you there are the most viable. And then, obviously, the uh, the three blind mice was uh, three Protestant priests, uh, one of which being the Archbishop of Canterbury. Uh, she had them all killed or burnt at the stake alive because they were actually um, planning to uh, overthrow her as the queen. Now, unfortunately, they got... Well, I say unfortunately. Unfortunately for them, they got caught and burnt alive at the stake. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's one way to go, isn't it? And uh, Mary Mary, quite contrary, how does your garden grow? Uh, was actually about the fact that she had hundreds of Protestants hanged uh, after uh, the English reform- reformation uh, from her father, King Henry VIII. Uh, and actually, the uh, silver bells and cockle shells that are mentioned in there. Uh, apparently, they're not actually gardening devices, which the song would suggest. But they are indeed devices of torture. I'm sure this has been a pretty upla- uplifting 15 minutes for everybody. I, I think the way forward I'm going to go with these is just to do shorter 15, 20 minutes. For now, when I do a video, just over-research and then give you the longer form in an audio format like this. Um, and then go from there. Obviously, I'm open to suggestions. Just please email me at ceo of did you know at gmail.com. Uh, and just just let me know the way you think I should pull this forward. Obviously, if it gets nowhere in six months, I'll just stop doing it. It's not really that big of a deal. Um, I do have another podcast. If ever you see my stuff and you think, man, I wonder what that guy's like surrounded by friends after a few beers when he gets to... Swear, basically. Uh that you can see. Well, you can't see it at the minute because I haven't got video on it, but you can hear it. And it is called Prof Pod, the history of last week. Uh, it's actually doing pretty well. Numbers are going up each week. We seem to be doing something that people enjoy. It is literally just me and my good friend Mr. Jim telling the uh the history of the previous week, along with famous people's birthdays. Uh, you can also get yourself shout-outs, birthday mentions, you can tell us your own stories. We'd have a bit of fun. It is not for children, and it is not for the easily offended, because we we try and tell each we try and say shock things to make each other laugh because that's what friends do when they're together, but it's all said in kind-hearted fun. So um, if you want to feel follow me on social medias, which I'm sure you already do, that's how you found this, but uh, it'd be remiss for me not to say it is professor underscore nipple underscore bottom. Uh, nipple is spelt with one p. Um, if you want to support the podcast, at the minute I still have this same merch, but we are expanding. We are getting some Little nip merch. I'm going to get some Beyond 59 Seconds merch, and I'm going to get some Prof Pod merch. Uh, if anybody wants to tell me what sort of merchandise they would like, then please let me know. And I have also added to my store. If you want to start find my store, actually, it is all on my social medias. I have a link tree. Just find it there. I also now have an option to get a personalized video. Yep, that's right. I cannot get to every single video that people ask me to do on the internet it's impossible even if this was my full time job i get hundreds every day i could not do it but if there is one that you are desperate to get and it is for someone's birthday or something like that you can just buy one it's going to cost you about 15 to 20 pounds uh, uh that does take me a couple of hours depending on how long you want it if i will post on social media if you want it doesn't have to just be a minute although i can only post a minute on social media unless it is instagram Uh, But I will email it to you. I can do it with transitions. The subject can be what you want within reason. Um, Yeah, I'm just trying to find a way to uh, to monetize the amount of effort I'm putting into this at the minute. Uh, I've given myself six to eight months, not just for this podcast, for the whole professor thing in general to work out. Otherwise, I'm going to slurp right down. I'll carry on doing it. But I'm going to slow it right down, as in stop this one. Maybe just do the podcast with Jim and a few posts on uh, social medias because I need to earn money foremost. Whereas I love doing this and I'm hoping it will become a career. It might not. And I've got to live with that fact. So uh, I will keep going. And I've given myself six to eight months before uh, I think I'd be in too much financial trouble to just be able to turn it around. So uh, I'm going to give it the old college try, as they say. Um, I am starting an OnlyFans, not that kind of OnlyFans. I will not be showing my uh my bits and bobs, but it will be uh ruder content, uh, it will be um longer form videos, it is going to be the new home for my lives because I've got a potty mouth and I say inappropriate things. So the new home for my lives will be on OnlyFans. Anyone listening to this that usually comes to my lives, I will still do normal lives, but they're gonna be structured ones maybe with little games and not a lot of drinking uh, but these are going to be their place for my sort of no holds barred let's do what we want lives and I'll also still get you in apologies to everyone that is gutted that they're now going to know be i be to be able to experience my lives without paying but as I said I need to monetize this and secondly I cannot do the wild lives on normal social medias because frankly it's going to get me cancelled because uh, I do I say Really, really bad jokes at times. All said in jest because I like the shock value of things. But some people don't know how to take a joke, unfortunately. Um, I've waffled on more than uh, long enough for this evening. Uh, uh, Another ProfPod history last week will be coming out in a few days. I will get this posted today. Um, Honestly, I I love and appreciate every single person that listens to this and follows me online and just leaves me nice comments. Uh, You have honestly given me a whole new lease of life. Um, so I hope it can continue and I hope we can continue to make new budding friendships. God, this is such a sappy segment. I just honestly wanted to say that I really do appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I'll speak to you all next week. Oh no, I missed my own damn finishing line. I can't, I can't remember. I finished with a new one last week, but I, uh, I've given up on that. So I'm just going to say, I'll see you little nips next week. Mwah!